Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast brought to you by DraftKings and part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We're your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony. Today is August 12th. Friday, sorry for missing last week. We decided to take a little break because there was a whole lot going on, but we definitely have a lot to talk about in this episode. And joining us today, one of our Patreon members, Dylan Holden. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to uh, today's show. Yeah, definitely excited to have you on. We're to, in today's episode, we are going to talk a little bit about you know the the all the talk and the commotion and some of the things that went viral with, with Paolo and and some of his pro-am games we're going to jump into that we're going to also talk about some comments that jonathan isaac had and then magic already dealing with injuries but before we get into it definitely want to give a shout out to our patreons blake wp creates court cousins steven danimal casey wood Finns fan for life michael martin jamel mr mikey zico yadi eric and our man dylan um so really excited that we're able to get you know, you on Dylan because uh, you're you're part of our our HQ community, part of our Patreon, and we we definitely enjoy talking basketball with you. And one of the things that we had just posted recently on our social media is kind of talking about who our favorite Magic players were. Not really, not really talking about you know ranking wise of who the best player to ever play for the Magic was, but really deep diving into who we really liked as Magic players. And so my question to you, Dylan, very first and foremost, who would you say, and I want this to kind of be a little like kind of outlandish in a sense, not, not talking Penny Hardaway, not talking Dwight Howard or Tracy McGrady, but who would you say is the most random favorite player that you've had for the Orlando magic? Um, Random favorite player, random favorite. Uh, I would have to go with uh Ray for Alston. That's a great choice. That was also one of mine. Why Rafe? Right one. Uh, he basically saved us um, during the 2009 season uh, when Jameer went down. Uh, I had no expectations for Rafe when he came in. I basically thought we were in big trouble, I think, like most of the fan base when uh, Jameer went down. And uh, he came in and not only played well, but basically took us all the way to the finals. So along with the white and the crew, of course, but. Skip to my Lou, definitely one of my favorite players as well. What I loved about Skip is that, you know, right before, if you remember during that time period, Jameer Nelson went down. The Magic were playing really good basketball. We're just like, man, what are we going to do? That's it. The season's over. You don't have Jameer Nelson to kind of run this team. Um, and you remember at the time we also had Anthony Johnson. We're just like, mm, that's not, it's not the move. And then we get an announcement that Otis Smith, he uh, ended up signing Tyron Lou, And we're just like, Okay, all right. So a little improvements, but Tyron Lue still isn't that guy. And when they announced that we got Skip, we're talking about, you know, and, and one mixtape was hot at the time. Everyone's all into um, hot sauce and, and Spida and the professor. And you're just kind of like, damn, one. You know, we, we knew a little bit about Skip through his time in Houston. And, you know, we, we knew that he was a baller, but... We really didn't know. And I think that if it wasn't for him and people still have that debate now 
although Skip still had a majority of the minutes played in that finals, um, you you still kind of wish that, you know, Jameer Nelson wasn't a part of the mix at all. And you you really hope that everything was kind of thrown in uh, for Rafer. And the, the dynamic changed a little bit when he came back, but definitely one of my favorite players as well. I still remember when um, against a Celtic series, he slapped Eddie House across the across the head. When he turned around. Oh, that was awesome. In yeah, Boston, yeah, definitely, great. definitely a favorite moment for sure. Uh, what about you, Al? So just a, just one, right? Yeah, just one. Oh man, I have three names that come to mind that are kind of random and like why, but I would have to say Michael Petrus is a guy that for me was a, a dude that I enjoyed playing for the magic. Uh dude brought it every night. Air France. Uh, that was that was a guy, and again, he was with that team with Vince. So again, a, a memorable team for the Magic, right? Making that that run in the playoffs. But he was a guy that I just enjoyed watching. Like this dude brought every night, hit his shots, play solid defense, fit the culture in Orlando at that time. You know that three and D type of type of team that we were going with. Um, so that was a guy for me that to this day I I, I hope to see him at Amway one of these days as a random guest. Because um, again, just a great culture guy in Orlando at that time. Yeah, so on on my list that I had posted, I I added Ray for Austin. Um, so the I'm going to give you two names, and these names didn't make my top ten. But since you already mentioned Dylan Rayfer, I'm I'm going to kind of skip on Rayfer. There's there's two people that I would add. The very first one is Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes, when we had him on the Orlando Magic, I enjoyed this man on my team so much, just because it was a very odd pick. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, Matt Barnes was was kind of known as the troublemaker, the the bad boy. And it was outside of the characteristics of players that the Orlando Magic, you know, had on the team. We always went after the great character, cookie cutter, you know. Disney image. Yeah, yeah. And this was the one guy that had a bunch of tattoos and, and he just had an attitude and, and a swagger about him that I really, really liked. And you you remember the the going back and forth with Kobe Bryant? This man this man wasn't afraid of anybody. So um, although it was a very minimal time frame, um, and I would never invest in a Matt Barnes Orlando Magic jersey, um, he is definitely one of my favorite players. And then another one um, would be Carlos Arroyo, the Puerto Rican background, Puerto Rican player. When we ended up getting him on the Orlando Magic, the Puerto Rican community in Orlando went bananas. Like everything was just crazy. You saw Puerto Rican flags at the Amway Center, um, and the community was really, really hot around Carlos Arroyo. And this was a time where, sponsored by M1, dude was doing crazy crossovers and passes. Like he was a walking highlight reel. Um, definitely a lot of fun. So he, they, those two would be uh, the ones that I would add. Don't forget about Marcin Gorta, too. We forget hey. about him a lot. But uh, if it wasn't for him backing up the white, uh, we we would have lost some of them games that we won, especially in the playoffs. Marcin, uh, he was an unsung hero himself. So he's definitely an honorable mention. Yeah, absolutely. If if you guys are watching on YouTube, definitely add in the comments who you think is your outlandish favorite pick. Um, and if you're listening, um you know, in the car with the podcast, send us a message. I definitely want to hear because, uh, yeah, I can only imagine the names that that will be thrown out when it comes to to this category. Kind of transitioning now into the pro am. So first and foremost, we're talking about the crossover. So Paulo played on the same team. I'm I'm a little disappointed if I if if I may say so myself. I'm a little disappointed at the fact that in the crossover it was announced that Paulo will be playing and. 
it just so happened that they decided it would be a great idea to put Paulo and Chet on the same team. I really wish and I really hoped that we were going to see them play against each other. I think there was a little politics behind that. It had to have been some type of politics behind that and make sure that they were on the same roster together. But um, what what did you guys think of of that game? I know, Al, um, you weren't able to watch the game, but we all saw the highlights. Um, Dylan, I'm going to throw it to you first. What, what were your thoughts on Paulo dropping 50? In the I definitely watched the game and him dropping 50. I was holding on to every bucket like most Magic fans. Um, when I saw him hit them two deep threes, I, I was about ready to run out the house because it was like he almost shot him from half court and they hit nothing but net. Um, like you, Anthony, I wish he would have played against Chet. I think uh, Chet was definitely would have been a little nervous if he had to go against Paolo because I think Paolo would have outshined him. Um, but Paulo looked like a man out there playing against high schoolers. I mean, it, it couldn't stop this guy. This guy was passing the ball and shooting the ball. And it was incredible, really. It's, it's a player that we haven't had in over a decade. So it, it was great for Magic fans to see. Of course, we overreacted a little bit, probably, because, you know, those guys aren't, you know, up to his level. But who cares, man? It's August. Let us overreact. What about you, Al? I mean, the, the one thing that jumps at me, so she mentioned, I couldn't watch the game live as it happened, but I kept seeing Twitter going crazy uh, when the game ended and then watched all the highlights. Um, but I will say, for me, what jumped at me was the simple fact that we've heard the comparisons to Carmelo a little bit. We've heard like the, hey, this is a little Jason Tatum to him. Most recently, a little LeBron to him. And in this game, you can see kind of how all those things can be true. It just truly depends where he takes his game next right the next two three years can he get stronger can he get faster can he shoot from three better but man this dude reminded me a lot of carmelo anthony like he was hitting threes mid-range attacking the hoop dunking on people so he has the whole package and that was what we heard in the draft coming in right like this dude can score if you want the best score today in the nba that would be paulo so i can now see it come to fruition the competition not the best but forget about that i'm just talking about his arsenal of offensive moves that he has. It's incredible. Um, so for me, that was the biggest thing. Like, not so much the points that he scored, but more like how he got it done. It wasn't just simply dunking all game long or hitting threes all game long. He gave it to you every single way possible. I don't know yeah, how you guys so. felt, but he he looked like a leader out there. Um, to yeah. Me. I mean, he and, definitely, and you could tell that was definitely his team. And he was in Seattle, so. What makes it, I, I so, Exhibition game, pro-am, we, we know what we're going to get. When it comes to these NBA players kind of taking over the pro-am, we, we know that they're going to have the ball majority of the time. But literally the game was either Chet had the ball, Paolo had the ball, and they both you know contributed pretty evenly in the sense where shot attempts or shot creation, whatever the case may be, Paolo definitely had the better game. He clearly outshined Chet. So that was the, the first and foremost thing that really stood out to me. Um, the other thing is it, when Paolo plays, it really looks like he's not even trying hard. Like he really looks, if it wasn't for his sweating condition, the man would not drop a sweat playing basketball because he does it effortlessly. It doesn't look like he's trying hard. It doesn't look like he's playing hard, which is no disrespect at all. Um, and I'm not really sure what I'm really expecting in a sense of what I would like to see him try because he's playing good basketball. But it just it looks so easy to him. And I think that, you know, 
having a player like that that's so talented that it almost looks like he's bored out there is something that we haven't seen since Trace McGrady. It's one of the big drawbacks that, that people didn't like about T-Mac. But I think that overall, if you're looking at a player that can be polarizing, Paulo is that guy right now. If, if we're just talking about like from the rookie class, he is that guy. The man drops 50 points and his name goes viral. His name is trending. Uh, he is someone that grabs attention and people are looking at him, looking at him like, man, what were these other teams thinking? How was Paulo not the number one consensus in this draft? Like how how were people not seeing this before? Why is it that we're seeing it now? Because now we're looking at him and those Carlo Boozer uh, uh, comps, the totally the, off, totally the Julius Randall. Randall comps, the Michael Beasley totally comps. Off. It's kind of like, okay, so now we're really not seeing that. Now we're kind of seeing a LeBron Mellowisk type of player. It's like, do y'all, y'all weren't watching college? Like, do we not look at the highlights? Like, he's not doing anything different than he did before, but now it's more eyes are on him, there's more attention. And I think that it was a moment where you know he can say like, "Yo, this is this is me, and this is why I'm the number one pick in the draft." And to be honest, I think the only reason most Magic fans probably didn't want Paolo because I know, like myself, um, I wrote him off because of his defense. You know, we heard pre-draft that his defense really wasn't up to par. The, a lot of GMs were worried about it, and we all know that Jeff and John love defense. I mean, that's the side of the ball you have to play for them or you're not coming to this team. Um, thankfully, they did choose Paulo, and it looks like that his defensive um, prowess is a lot better than he was getting credit for, and thankfully, Jeff and John knew that. I mean, look how the kid passes the ball alone. I mean, his passing is a highlight reel all to itself, we, and that's not even including his scoring. So, Yeah, and I think that that's what makes him so dangerous is that he can get bucket on you, but you also have to respect his playmaking. So in what, what, it, what that does is that it makes him unpredictable. Offensively, you don't know what he's going to do because he can do it all. He can shoot. He can penetrate. He can pass. He can create for himself. And I think that that's one of the elements that we're going to see that people are going to be scared of. And I think that that's the part that is exciting. Um, and then kind of fast forward to the Zeke end. So. When it comes <laughs> to another pro-am, the biggest thing that we saw is Paolo going against Murray, which I think is pretty unique because these are guys that are from the same area. Originally, when I saw the, the crossover teams, I thought they were going to be on the same team together. But apparently, you know, we, we know that the Seattle community is, a, is the Seattle basketball community is a very close community. and They've known each other for a very, very long time. And there was some beef. There was some some tension, some issues between Murray and Paolo Bancaro. And we know that it's a little lopsided because from the game, it kind of left the game and then kind of went a little personal. And, you know, it, it got to a moment that we're, we're able to, you know, eat popcorn, talk about it. And now there's there's news cycles like so much so that it's the offseason, no basketball happening. And we're talking about ESPN is talking about this beef. We're talking about uh, Fox Sports is talking about this beef. Ow, make some sense. I know that we we kind of have a biased perspective, but was Murray kind of taking it a little more personal than he should be? 
What's going on, Magic fans? The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down money in all major sports, baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over and unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Don't forget, the summer league's about to start, so it's a perfect opportunity for you to throw some money down and make some money. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I think he took it way too far, right? So if you see the highlights, especially the, I mean, yeah, it was a good play, whatever, but when he throws the ball at Paolo or at whatever it was, the sidelines, that was kind of uncalled for for me to begin with. But then you watch the videos after the fact of what he was doing to other uh, participants of, of the game, you know, bouncing the ball off their heads and all this crap. But even to the point that this dude goes after the game and unfollows Paolo on Instagram, and that's kind of what caught Paolo by surprise. Like, wait, like, really? It's, it's that serious? You're coming to Instagram unfollowing me? And then he goes on this rant about how he was he was playing the first uh, draft pick card in the game and this and that. To me, it's just funny how this dude has been in the league five years. He gets traded. We haven't really heard much about him. All that we've heard Zero. is that he was a good talent, good Zero. good kid, you know, getting better and better. And now he comes to Atlanta, and all of a sudden, this offseason alone, we cannot stop talking about this guy. And now he does this. Um, so it's kind of weird. I don't know what his card is, what his angle is. But it's surprising that a rookie would get to your skin in the way that Paolo did. Oh, and by the way, Paolo dropped 47 in this game. Hmm. So it's not like Paolo scored 15 and struggled the whole night. No, no, no. He he got you buckets. He lost the game. Okay, he, he can do his talking because of that. But again, I did think he took, he took it way too personal. I think he's trying to be the face of Seattle, Murray, that is. And Paolo is a threat to him. So I think that's kind of where all this comes from. But if you ask me, he took it way too far. A lot of the things that he said and did were uncalled for, but it is what it is. What, what about you, Dylan? What was your take on the whole thing? Uh, sounds like to me, uh, Paulo showed him up in his backyard. Uh, and I, I don't think uh, he liked that too much. And uh, also, I think he was trying to punk him a little bit. You know, you're you're the new kid on the block. You haven't done anything yet. I'm here. I'm established. And, you know, Paolo just doesn't care. He's going to dominate you and and talk trash all at the same time. Um, you know, for, for us, Magic fans, you know, we're craving that. We haven't had it in over a decade. So uh, it, it was good to see. And I, I just feel like, uh, too, if the Spurs are getting rid of you, uh, that's not a good sign for you. Um, they're one of the best organizations in sports. 
And they said, you know what? We're going to let you go for a bag of cookies because we want to tank this year for this kid coming out. Uh, Wembenyama, I believe that's the correct pronunciation. So uh, I think he's got more things to worry about than Paulo. Uh, I think Paulo should be a little lower on his scale. And the Instagram thing, I mean, you know, they're young. So it is what it is. Instagram is Instagram. But Paulo's going to do his thing for sure. It's a weird dynamic just because uh, Deontay, is, he, he's what? He's 25. You know, Paulo is barely 19. And, you know, um, so on social media, we, we were able to hear a little bit of what Murray was saying when he got out of the game going towards, you know, closer to the end and him saying that, you know, Paulo's a little boy, that it's a big man's league. And he said it like numerous times. So you can kind of hear that, you know, he Murray had a lot of backup. Because the whole game, they were just trying to talk smack to Paolo, right? Paolo's 10 times bigger than Murray, though. That's the funny thing. Like, how can yeah. you call him a little boy and he's bigger than you? So, yeah. So, that's that's the first fact, right? Size-wise, come on. My, my guy is, like, touching seven foot. Like, 250 pounds coming into the NBA. All right? First and foremost. Second, the man hasn't been in the NBA. Like, he just got drafted. Never played an NBA game. The only experience he got in professional basketball is literally summer league. That's it. So the fact that we're talking all this smack to a 19-year-old kid is wild to me. Wild. Because, Al, you, you brought a really good point. San Antonio Murray, we didn't hear nothing. Nothing. Offseason, nothing. Pro-Am, nothing. And then out of nowhere, he gets traded to Atlanta. Massive amount of confidence. I get, I get playing with Trey Young. You know, John Collins, I, I get that you got that confidence because Atlanta's supposed to be a team in the East that's supposed to make a lot of noise. I get that you get that confidence. And I get that he didn't play for a team prior to that, that he was able to have that confidence. I get it. At the same time, I think we need to relax. You know, relax. I mean, if he was that guy, don't we all think that Popovich would have kept him? If he was that guy that he's bumping his gums about being, do we really think Greg Popovich would have let him go to Atlanta? I don't think so. I doubt that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Still- like, if you look into, like, it, I started looking into his name a little more after this whole beef started, and you can see a lot of talk in, in social media around Murray and the reason why this person let him go. And immaturity was a topic that kept coming up how they didn't trust him as the leader on the team, how he was drafted young. They kind of knew about it, but then as he got older, it continued. So I think you can see it clearly in a situation like this. I mean, you're an NBA all-star. You finally make it. You do get traded to a better team that has better chances to win than the Spurs do this season coming up. And again, you're acting kind of foolish all offseason long so far in your first offseason in a bigger market. It says a lot about you. I mean, and again, if, if you want to be the face of Seattle, you don't lead this way. You should be leading the other way around. You should be welcoming Paolo. You should be kind of, again, I get the heated moments in the game happening and things like that. But you're the older guy. You're the more the more seasoned vet here. You should be handling this a little bit better than just going at this kid, block him on social media, and trying to bash him in, in a public setting. Like it's kind of weird. I mean, and not for nothing. Um, Paula was drafted first, and you were drafted where again? Twenty seventh. So twenty ninth. Twenty ninth. So first round. And that was to one of the better organizations and sports and they still didn't take you till 29 so that has to humble you a little bit paulo did go number one let's show a little bit of respect here 
Yeah, and it really stems from from the play that that kind of this is where where it did go viral and got a lot of attention. Um, where he, he got Paulo on a couple pump fakes and then he threw it off the backboard, caught in, and then dunk it. And it's kind of like you you replay and you rewatch it. You kind of see my man him. did some he did a little dirty stuff, man. He yeah, kind of nudged him, him, which is okay. The nudge is fine. But then you you see that he he really caught him off balance because he he tripped him. He tripped Paolo. Granted, it's it's a good play, got away with it, great, amazing. But it's it's the it's a sucker stuff where he's he's going over by the free throw line and he gives him a shoulder. If that's your boy, that's your boy. You can do that stuff. But you you can tell that there was some some ill intentions. And Paulo didn't do anything about it except you know just told him to relax and yeah. And he know, dropped forty seven and said hold and hold this. I, I'll still drop forty seven. Okay, you got one play. But then I'm looking at highlights and I see Paulo draining threes and doing three sixty reverse dunks. So I mean, obviously he got his too. So. And let's not forget, it was an exhibition game, but when he threw off the backboard, Paolo actually got back. And if Paolo really wanted to try to either get back in the play, block the shot, follow him, for whatever it may be, I think if that happens in a real game, either Paolo fouls him or he blocks the shot. He just kind of let him go. It's an exhibition game. You're doing this for the fans. Again, Murray was taking it way too far. He was taking this way too seriously to be a, a fun game. Yeah, I just, I enjoy the narrative of it. Like, we we all fiend for that that reason to create some type of hype around playing against a team. Previously, it was Kyle Kuzma. Previously, before that, it was Kyle Lowry. We didn't like the Raptors. We didn't like the Wizards because of Kyle Kuzma. Now it's, it's we're circling Atlanta, right? Yeah, and I actually liked Atlanta before this beef. I think I think we nah, had a round table, and uh, you know, you know, far not liking Atlanta. Let me clarify that liking Atlanta to stay in the playoff hunt and be one of the top six because, I, I, you know, Murray's a decent player. But after this, I don't know. They might have issues because they're not yeah, going to beat Orlando. So The surprising part about all of it is that he's telling Paolo to stay humble, right? And it's like this man is doing everything other than being humble. It's not just against Paolo. We saw the moves where he's hitting players across the head with the basketball. We're seeing that not once but twice, and you're you're telling you're you're giving someone of an advice. So first and foremost, you're 25 years old and you're unfollowing someone that you've known for a really long time on social media because of whatever. From I listen, a lot of things can be said in a basketball in a basketball game that we may not catch, but from the looks of it, Paula wasn't saying a whole a whole bunch. Like he there, there was no antics, there was no level of smack talking that we saw from Murray and from the team. So I, I just think that it, it's it's weird. Like you can tell that there's a little it's a little jealousy on the side. I understand it. Could be because of again it's they're, definitely they're the, the Seattle area. thing. Yeah, yeah it's definitely 100%. the Seattle thing. But again he's kind of already lost that battle too. Like if you're not the king of Seattle by 25 and there's this 19 year old kid coming in who's the number one That's pick it. dropping 50 points already uh you're in some serious trouble so you know he might have already lost that battle too but maybe that's why he was doing what he was doing who knows so circle orlando versus atlanta i'm sure that's going to be a definitely a game to watch let me make sure i get tickets to that game can't miss it gotta watch it live all right so now transitioning to jonathan isaac so jonathan isaac recently says that he sees a light at the end of the tunnel now 
He also posted a picture dunking, not wearing a knee brace, not wearing ankle braces. What are your thoughts on that? He actually commented on, and, and I, I'm sorry that I can't remember um, who ended up writing a comment on the picture that he posted, but he responded back pretty much kind of laughing at it in a sense. Like, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts from it? Do you honestly believe that the notion of him posting a picture of him dunking, not wearing a knee brace means that Jonathan Isaac is healthy. He's ready to go. Training camp. I'll be there. Start of the NBA season. We're golden. What do you think, Al? It, it's got to be, right? I mean, uh, we've talked about it before. As bad as his injury was, it should not be taking two years to heal. Um, part of me still really believes that Jeff and John decided last season, hey, you probably can come back at the All-Star break, maybe a little bit earlier. But why do it? We're tanking. We want to we wanna really do this thing right. Sit out the rest of the offseason and kind of just be really, really ready next season. Um, so to answer your question, I do think that he is ready. I mean, there's, there's no reason why he wouldn't be, um, his setback that he suffered apparently was not that major. And even then, by the time training camp starts, he would have had six months to recover from that, that, um, setback. So if you ask me, I would put my money on him being ready by training camp. However, that does not mean that he's going to be starting, you know, opening night, anything like that. I think it just simply means He'll be in the rotation. He'll be kind of slowly being transitioned back into um, getting minutes. But again, there should be no way GI is not ready by training camp and preseason. For me, um, in the Magic community, I probably am the, one of the people that have the lowest stock in GI, unfortunately. Uh, do I hope he's ready when the season starts? Uh, yeah, I hope. Am I betting any money on it? No. Uh, far, as far as the picture, uh, you can show me better than you can tell me. So, um, I'm hopeful, but I, like Al, think he'll be coming in slow. Uh, he'll probably be on minutes restriction till at least yeah. Christmas. Um, you know, we're hopeful, right? Um, I've seen some things online that you know, maybe maybe uh, Isaac comes in and starts over Franz and starts over Paulo. Slow down. Uh, that's not going to happen. Sorry to burst anybody's bubble. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful. But I'm like I said, I'm, I'm low on it for sure. Uh, I just don't believe when you watch somebody like uh, Clay Thompson come back from an injury, look like he looked and – to expect uh, Isaac to look better than that, I think you're setting yourself up. So I'm hopeful, um, but we'll see. Wait and see approach for me. <clears throat> I think that a lot of people are 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 the same, Dylan, in, in terms of not having a whole lot of stock in Jonathan Isaac. I understand the reason why. Two years away from the basketball game is is a very, very long time. I get that the outside of basketball is also a – a addition to why people don't feel as high on Jonathan Isaac. But for a while, Jonathan Isaac was our prized possession. He was the, the person that was supposed to take us to the promised land. And I think that part of the reason why we, we kind of shed away from it is because we got Franz Wagner. That's really, you know, blown things out of the water is the fact that now we have Paolo. And now we're starting to see that, listen, Jonathan, if, if, if it don't work out, 
we're okay. Before we were stressing out. Now we're fine. At the same time, we also need to remember that Jonathan Isaac was that dude. On the defensive end, he was definitely easily one of the best defensive players. When, when it came to, to anything on the defensive end, you understood and you knew that he was your anchor. You were confident that he was able to guard the Giannis's in some capacity, the LeBron's in some capacities, the bigger players, the KD's, that you really didn't have any other tool on your roster that could do that at the level that he's able to. I hope that that guy is still in there somewhere. And what makes Jonathan Isaac so unique is the fact that, all right, if there's not enough space for him at the four, let's try him at the five. Let's try him at the three. There's versatility there that you can really, you know, plug and play. And I think that a lot of people right now are too hung up on, you know, who's going to be the starting lineup. And I think that in the very beginning, our starting lineup is going to look a lot different than halfway through the year or towards the end of the season where we really get a gauge to see of what direction the Magic are really going to based on records, based on health, based on the trajectory of, of the team. I agree. You're right there. I think he'll uh, he'll definitely be the biggest X factor on the team. Easy. Now, where the team where the team is, I think, in December and January, I think that's yet to be determined. I think right now, because we're in August, of course, you know, hopes are high. But I think there's a lot of potholes on that road uh, to the play-in that where, you know, it could go either way. We could be tanking again this year. Nobody wants to talk about it, and I get it. It's August. We shouldn't be talking about tanking. But it is a real possibility if some things don't go our way. And being Magic fans, they normally don't. So (laughs) we'll see. I will say, though, if you think back to, like, the way that he looked, J.I., that is, at the bubble, right? So those, unfortunately, was only a couple of games. We couldn't really see much. But if you recall the excitement in Magic fans after that first game when he came back and he looked incredible. I think he dropped at almost 20 points and in limited minutes too. And he was hitting threes, hitting mid-range. Aggressive legit, on the offensive side. Aggressive. It looked like a baby KD. Like he, he had that, you know, he, he looked so good on the offensive end. Add to that the fact that he's such a great defender. That's the exciting part. In my mind, also, I'm not counting on J.I. You know, if he is back, if he is healthy, great. But to your point, Dylan, if he does come back and he plays anywhere close to that, our team automatically just takes a major leap this this season coming up right now just because this kid is so talented. And again, he's not going to start first. I really don't expect that to happen. But I will bring this up again. I brought it up before, and I thought in social media this has caught on a little bit. Come January, trade deadline season, G.I. has looked amazing. What do you do with him? And my answer has always been, you put him at the four, you slide down Bancaro to the three, France to the two, and then you got to figure out at that point, who's your point guard going forward in the starting lineup? Is it going to be Cole, Suggs, or Markel? Or- but I think that would be the move if he is back 100% and he is killing it. You got to get him on the court in the starting lineup. But then the big dread of the bait comes in. Who's that point guard that you kind of run with for the next few years? Right. Or, or, so here, here's my thing. I'm not 100% sold on Franz being at the two. I think it's a great experiment, but long-term wise, I think that Franz being at three is the best to maximize the player that you get in Franz Wagner. Question is, what do we do with that two? 
question is, what do we do with Jonathan Isaac? I could see a world where if we get back, if, 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 if we get back Jonathan Isaac of Jonathan Isaac that we hope we get back 100% healthy, 100% back to who we think he can and will be, I could see a world <laughs> where maybe he takes over the five. Maybe we slide Wendell to the bench. Ew. Maybe I can see that happening because here, here's my thing with the starting lineup. If the Magic are really trying to push for a, a play-in, I can see Gary Harris having that two spot. You need some veteran presence. I can see that happening. I still, and, and Dylan, I'm sure that you agree with me, I haven't lost faith in Jalen Suggs. I think that you know last year was a very, very difficult year for him. Rookie, only played about 40-plus games. What if we see what we expect to see with Jalen Suggs? And if he fills that, that second spot. If we so, see that, I think we're probably almost a lock to be in the plan. If, I mean, if Jalen Suggs plays like we all expect him to, and then you got a number one pick in Paolo, and on top of that, you get 50% of J.I., not even 100%, 50%. I think you have to basically lock the magic into a plan because Paolo is going to blow – expectations if he is that guy away by himself. I mean, I, I got him getting us at least six or seven more wins, and that's just Paolo. And that's before you talk about Franz and Isaac and Suggs. So, yeah, I think if all that comes together, I think you're definitely looking at a lock for the Magic to be in a plan. I do not care if Paolo is struggling. I do not care if he doesn't play – um, up to the standards that that we have for him, there's no way that you take him out of any starting lineup. He is your number four. That's it. Live and die with it. No but question. when it comes when it comes to Wendell, I'm not a hundred percent sold that he is the permanent five. I love Wendell. No disrespect to Wendell, but if Jonathan Isaac could fill that fifth spot. I can see it. I can see it happening. I don't think it will happen. If if that did happen, it won't be till later part of the season. And if that were the case, man, that second unit is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be nonstop battling from the first unit to the second unit. Damn, we got this dude coming back in. Damn, now we got this guy. This guy has foul trouble. No big deal. We had this person in. I think that it's just going to be a battle throughout the whole entire game and i don't really think that teams are really prepared with the amount of talent and depth that you know this team could potentially bring and i mean that's the nice thing right i mean if we have everybody healthy we don't even know what we have that's that's the crazy thing like we we see it on paper and it's like you know this team could be unbelievable maybe one of the greatest turnarounds in nba history if everything goes like we want but i mean wendell WCJ off the bench. I mean, and with this contract, that 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 is definitely I could see that happening because thankfully we we locked him down on a friendly deal. Um, but we just have to wait and see. If Jonathan Isaac is Jonathan Isaac, if Jonathan we need to highlight that, Isaac. put it in caps. If Jonathan Isaac is Jonathan Isaac, all right. So now, kind of moving into um, our injuries, Orlando Magic injuries. Man, it just 
it's amazing. We can't never stop stops. About it. Never stops. Insane. So we know that the Wagner brothers were getting ready to play international basketball. Mo and Franz were going to play together and they were going to do work. Unfortunately, <laughs> Mo <laughs> Wagner did have an ankle injury that will make him miss the rest of Euro basketball this summer. With that being said, Franz did move forward with playing basketball, scored 23 points, hit a clutch three, and came away with the W in his first exhibition game. So great for Franz. Franz looked like Franz, six foot ten unicorn that is able to do it all, shoot the basketball, penetrate at six foot ten, somehow get in between the middle. The dude was a baller. At the same time, like we we know that Mo Wagner, when it comes to Euro basketball play, this dude turned into Haas. You remember Haas? Hustle, right? Yep. Dude was a baller. How disappointed are you at the fact that we got these guys playing in meaningful basketball games, not a fi- not associated with the Orlando Magic during this period, and they're playing international basketball, ends up getting injured. Down there, I'm gonna give it to you first. Yeah. Uh. It, it, it's disappointing for sure. I mean, you always want your guys healthy. Um, like I think somebody said maybe online or earlier, uh, thankfully it was Mo and not Franz. I think the fan base would be a lot more in a panic if it was Franz. But uh, obviously we want Mo to make a quick quick recovery. Um, but I think I think he'll be okay. I don't I don't think it's anything catastrophic. Um, you know, he should be ready to go for training camp. So that's the main thing. We want him ready when the, the games count. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's it's just unfortunate, right? You think about Magic Basketball and we're not even in September yet. And here we are talking about injuries. Uh, I will say, though, you never want to hear about injuries. You never want to talk about any of your players getting injured. But, man, I was nervous when I first read Wagner to miss exhibition game with ankle injury. I'm like, oh my God, Franz got hurt. <laughs> so not for nothing, it was Mo. And he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, he will be, be fine. fine. <laughs> he will come back. He'll be ready for training camp. But I really want to see him play Euro basketball. As you said, Anthony, he is a baller. Um, did amazing a few years back when he played for, for Germany and looked like a different player. And then from that, carried it over to the Orlando Magic. And ever since then, he's been a consistent player, somebody you can trust to throw out there when someone's in foul trouble, someone's injured. So I think for the confidence alone, I would have liked to see him play for his team and represent his country and also would have made things easier for France. Now all the attention goes to kind of him yep. uh, and the rest of the NBA talent on that roster instead of saying, hey, we got we got to worry about Mo in the middle and then France keeps cutting and hitting open threes. Um, so we'll see. I'm excited to see how he does. It's unfortunate, again, the news and, and having to talk about injuries this early in the uh, in the offseason. Hey, my in my opinion, it's a double-edged sword. On one side, you're looking at a player that is now going to get a little more responsibility, a little more of the burden, the pressure of taking the responsibility that uh, Mo would have taken away from Franz. It would have been a little more balanced because uh, you got Dennis Schroeder out there also. Um, at the same time, it's like, all right, now you you know that you're going to be a focal point offensively for that international team and when it comes to international play you're playing with way more pride you're playing with way more confidence everything means a little bit more because you're playing for your country and i think that on that side man whatever experience whatever confidence this man is going to get 
if you can kind of bring that into the season, you're telling me that this player is going to get even better as a sophomore than what we've already seen as a freshman. I will take that all day as long as that it, it doesn't hurt him negatively where he's putting too much pressure or he overworks himself, becomes overwhelmed or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I hope that his his basketball play continues to to grow during this time period. And then that kind of transitions and in, into the 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 training camp and into the season because we know that he's going to be a, a key component. And I think that, you know, looking down the line, you know, we know that this is going to be a player that, you know, people ain't going to want to mess with for sure. No question. All right. Well, really good stuff. Um, <clears throat> Dylan, we're going to go through some really quick questions for you. So this is our rapid fire section. And really, we're going to throw out some questions so we can end this episode. And I want you to answer them as fast as you can. So really, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, Al, I'm going to send it to you if you want to ask those. Yeah, so let's get it started. So Dylan, first thing here is favorite Magic player of all time? T-Mac. Favorite current one. player. Easy, right? Favorite current player on the team? Uh, Jalen Suggs. Gotcha. Number three, most memorable moment as a Magic fan? Most memorable moment. Uh, that had to be the 2009 finals. I went to all three games hey. in the Amway, so it, it was an awesome week for me. I like it. So favorite Magic team of all time? I would imagine it would be 9 too. Yeah, it, it's definitely 09. Um, my father passed away during that run. So it was an emotional time for me, basketball wise and family wise. So I really needed it back then. <laughs> Man, uh, at least the team helped you a little bit there by making it to the finals and making things exciting, right? Man, they helped a lot, man. I, <laughs> I was 21 years old and uh, I rode those big shoulders of Dwight all the way. It was, it was incredible. I yeah. Can't imagine. All right, next to last one here. Over and under, 26 and a half wins for the Magic next season. So if you were a betting man, would you bet over or under? Oh, you got to go with the over. I mean, just on the talent alone, you got to figure if we're healthy, we're going to win 30 games just rolling the ball out there on the court. Um, And then, you know, if everybody elevates their game, who knows where it goes. So definitely over. And I kind of already feel like I know the answer to this, but Suggs or Cole, and then who ends up starting at that shooting guard position? Suggs. Uh, and I love Cole. That, that's, I don't want to, you know, put that in the universe that I don't love Cole. I, I would never want to lose Cole. Um, but I think Suggs, number one, the team has a lot more invested in him. Uh, he was a top five pick. Uh, he's a little bigger than Cole. And he plays defense, guys. I mean, we got to be honest. Cole struggles on – uh on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I think you add all those up. I think Jalen Suggs is going to get the nod there. All right. I like it. Uh, Dylan, thank you so much for joining us. Really good episode. Went over a lot more than I thought that we were going to have for this episode. We're over here trying to really scavenge for uh, magic content. So luckily we had some stuff to go over. Really good stuff. Appreciate you guys for listening. As a wrap, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. For all the latest Orlando Magic news and updates, follow us on Twitter at the Ozone Pod and on Instagram at Orlando Magic HQ. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.